Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, all you strangers. I just want to start the show off tonight by telling you that, unfortunately, I'm on my own this episode. My lovely co-host, Cherie, has moved on. Um, she moved back to New York, and uh, it's hard to do a podcast if one person's in New York and one person's in Shanghai. <laughs> Sometimes life and careers, etc., get in the way of podcast magic. So you'll just be hearing my voice tonight. But ongoing, we have guest hosts who will be coming in, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to find a permanent uh, co-host later on. But for now... It's just going to be me. Um, I hope that's not too awkward. I think you'll like what I've got for you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry if that really upsets or disappoints anybody. Um, she'll be missed. She was a very important force in making this all work. So um, we wish her good luck and much love. Anyway, let's get to the show. Strangers in China is a member of the Seneca Network, powered by SupChina. You're listening to Strangers in China. I'm Clay. For China, Shanghai is the promise of multiculturalism and boundary pushing. In the strictest sense, it always follows the laws of the land, but it's a city whose foundation is inherently different from the rest of China. It was founded on the bones of Western imperial invasion and the enduring traditions of the local Shanghainese. This combination created a city unlike anything else. It became a progressive, bohemian, and just different kind of place. Shanghai, for both foreigners and Chinese folks, became a symbol of freedom. Freedom from tradition of one's respective place of origin. Freedom to live in a different way. That marrow that runs so deep in this city can't be whitewashed away with policy or propaganda campaigns. Following the tradition of Shanghai's unique history, at the edges of Shanghai's culture, hiding in plain sight, there are subversive communities that dare to transgress the rigid norms, to queer the narrative, to prove that there's more to this reality than what's spoon-fed by the Communist Party. Cinema Q is a simple event with profound implications. On the last Thursday of each month, on the second floor of a nondescript building, Short films are shown with explicitly queer content to an audience of about 50 or so. The audience is a notably fashionable bunch. Some are dressed like fierce and defiant. Some are dressed sort of fashionably demure. The overall mood is giddy anticipation. Everyone can't wait to see what kind of taboo queer content Cinema Q has in store. I think some people come looking for validation. Validation that their personhood is real, that they don't have to live at the margins. Some are looking for new ways to push the boundaries, to be inspired by the queer filmmakers. Honestly, some people don't come for the movies at all. Some just want to be in an environment that feels safe, 
a shelter away from state-sponsored cis-heteronormativity. But everyone there is looking for representation. So yeah, everyone's like giddy. Everyone's excited. But everyone's nervous too. They're watching content that could be considered illegal by the Communist Party. They're watching movies full of ideas that the party tries to silence. They're hearing voices that deviate from a state-sponsored narrative. The audience could get in trouble for watching these movies, but they aren't really on the hook if this thing gets shut down. I wanted to talk to the people that are on the hook. I want to talk to the people who organized this event, the people responsible for planting those transgressive seeds in the minds of 50 or so folks of various shades of queer. I wanted to hear from them what it means to run one of Shanghai's limited queer events. Episode 4, Cinema Q. I showed up early for the film screening so I could sort of see what the setup was like. First, I talked to Ting, the organizer, the boss, the overlord of Cinema Q. What do you have to do to prepare? Uh, get the film listed on the player. On the player and then separate the screen. Then I talked to some women who showed up early for the films. And they were a little skeptical about talking to me. We'll get back to the event itself in a few. But first, I just want to establish how this all came together. So there are three main organizers, the three main voices you're going to be hearing. So let's get to know them. Okay, my name is Ting. I'm from Shanghai. This is Sybil. Uh, I've been trying to use my Chinese name as much as possible at work, but sometimes when it's just too struggling, I'm just like, okay, okay, here's the code that you can use. Xie Xiao. Xie Xiao. Is that your real name? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're okay with using your real name? Yeah, of course. I use my real name in Tinder and in all the kind of like interview. I'm proud of my name. Before really sinking our teeth into this event and how it came to be run by Ting, Sybil, and Xie Xiao, let's establish what queerness means to the organizers. What's their frame of reference for queerness? Here's Ting. What is queerness? I mean, no one is straight in this f***ing 21st century anymore. Everyone's queer. Everyone's not really sure about their sexuality. We say the fundamental thing about being queer is being yourself. Here's Xie Xiao's take. You cannot define queer. That's all about non-straight, non-norm, or everything that comes from you and only you, mm-hmm. not to anybody else. Not from the society, not from the government, not from the country, but just from you. Well, when I explained the queer term to my mom, I said, like, everybody is queer, actually. Nobody is supposed to be like the person that the society needs you to be. So everybody is basically queer. I feel like Chinese society, so much of Chinese society is maybe put you in a box. And stay in your box. Don't, don't get out of the box. Yeah, if you're out of the box, you're basically queer. So, um, how did you know that you were queer? For us, we never had the sense of like 
sex education or LGBTQ, uh, what's gay or not. I have feelings for boy, but I found out I have feelings for girls as well. But actually more actually towards girls. But I chose the path of guys because that's what the society is expecting, right? I think I was pretty old. I was like 21. And then we went to a gay bar. And I met a girl. I saw a girl there. And um, I, I told my friend, I was like, she's really beautiful. And he said, go talk to her. And I was like, okay. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I go talk to her. And then she was my first girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I think that moment could have happened way earlier than, than that. And for a lot of Chinese people, uh, especially my age or even like, you know, older than me, we don't, we don't really have the courage or the outside source of information to help you uh, feel comfortable. And, and so I think community in that sense is very, very, very important. Sybil's story about how she got in touch with queerness and became an ally is really important too. She became open to queerness because of the solidarity that she felt with queer folks as a woman in China. I don't really have any straight friends. Mm-hmm. Basically, all of my friends, people who I find really relatable are queer people. Mm-hmm. Um, probably it's because as a woman, uh, you kind of face the same situation with queer people because you are both marginalized uh, groups and, and you're facing the same kind of pressure, discrimination and everything. Uh, but I think what's great about queer people is that you know you couldn't find more inclusive people than that and and you just fit in quite easily so how did you become open to queerness well actually tv series okay oh that's a big part actually that's a very very big part um so what happens is that from a certain age suddenly there are people uh online and they they do this kind of subtitling thing and that, that was actually, I think, a big part of my self-education in terms of discovering what's out there. So this is kind of funny. So much exposure for young people to the outside world came from the heyday of illegal streaming and downloading that happened from like 2007 to like 2015. I mean, sure, this is a copyright nightmare, but all the media from outside of China is usually filtered through official channels. And this was a way that millennials bypassed the censors. I believe I believe there are millions, yeah. like more than millions of Chinese kids get to expand their horizons thanks to that. It's good for you to know there are so many more possibilities out there and there's nothing right or wrong. It's more about what you want. But, but, I, but I think it was in the drag race I started to realize how much positive energy there is. Oh yeah, guys. Uh, RuPaul also has fans in China. And and I think that's, that's also a turning point for me to really get super passionate about it and get devoted and just feel the love. Of course, a Strangers in China episode wouldn't be complete without me putting my foot in my mouth. So... I don't know. I'm asking because I don't know, but I don't want to assume. Are, are you gay? Of course. Uh, okay. Actually, I, I'm now I think I'm queer. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. So I'm like more open to everything now that I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm 100% gay. But I need to say, I have to say I'm queer now. Yeah, no, I just... There's nothing about PC, but I have to say I'm queer. Ting's really lucky. She was born in the city on the sea. But the other two had to make their way to Shanghai. 
Shanghai calls to queer people because no other city compares. It's just the best place to live in terms of diversity and acceptance. I think it's important to understand what Shanghai is like because there aren't any other cities in China where an event like Cinema Q could exist. I'm from Shanxi,、mm-hmm. Shanxi. So that province is just a little bit under Beijing. Very small city, tier five. So China defines its cities by tiers. Tier one being like the largest cities, like Beijing or Shanghai. I used to live in a tier four city, which felt really small. So a tier five must be like Casper, Wyoming, or something like really, really small. It's difficult for me to go back to the same lifestyle anymore. There's nothing there for me.、Uh, I think there's one nature about China is that between probably even just tier one and tier two cities, you think they're pretty close in terms of a、uh, economic scales,、uh, but the mindset is is pretty different, and you just feel kind of lonely there. Uh, and all the people who share the same mindset—they're they're in tier one cities, and that's where you have to go to find your tribes. It's important to stress how different Shanghai is from the rest of China. Saying you understand China because you understand Shanghai is like saying you understand the United States because you've been to New York. Having lived in a smaller city, narrow-mindedness is fairly pervasive, and queer life is completely repressed or erased. So if you're open-minded like Sybil or the rest of the Cinema Q crew, you just feel so much more comfortable living in Shanghai. So there are other cities in China that are inclusive in some ways, but not in others, which is why Xie Xiao wanted to come to Shanghai. But although Chongqing is very like relatively open in China, like Chongqing and Chengdu, like the gay capital cities of China, it's very open. So yeah, Xie Xiao is from、uh, Chongqing. But it's not enough. In Chengdu, there's also some like queer events in Chengdu, but actually they're gay events. That all the attendees are gay. But I don't like that. What about the trans community? What about all the other community? Now, that my friends in Beijing actually told me that each city has a characteristic. You just need to find the one that fit you, that suits you. I think Shanghai really suits me. So how does Shanghai feel for queer people? Shanghai is not definitely not a revolutionary revolutionary city as you know New York when they started the ballroom etc. And also not maybe not as open as the Western country. But the thing is here we have we we have a large community that has all these great、uh, thoughts. And creative minds that creates all these events and parties and activities you can do and community for the LGBTQ people here. If you want to find a queer safe spot, it's pretty safe. And I think Shanghai is one of the places as queer people you can sort of just enjoy yourself.、Mm-hmm. If you go outside, if you're if you're if you're dressing exaggeratedly, nobody's gonna look at you. With strange eyes, people don't really care about other people's business that much. I think by American or European standards, Shanghai wouldn't feel much like a scene. But for China, even though it's a city under a tightening grip of censorship and social policing, it feels so free. It's not a place where you have to completely hide your queerness. It's also a place where the queer community is very much a community and feels pretty close. You will find out that those who are running things in Shanghai are basically the same group of people, and they're all friends. So we're all calling each other sister, like organizations, because you know we we probably all contributed a little bit, and we're all meeting up for mahjong and everything. So as Sibyl said, the queer community 
all knows each other, and everyone's moving back and forth. And because Shanghai is such a small world, these three ended up coming together and doing Cinema Q. The original founders of Cinema Q were not these three. The original founders were a guy named Matthew, who was British, and a Chinese guy named Will, and they founded Cinema Q in 2015. They brought Ting on board because she had experienced programming. Her own film festival. I studied film and television、uh, in university.、Uh, upon meeting my friend who was doing Pride Film Festival, and I got into you know film festival organization, etc. Sybil got involved not because she liked love films. She wasn't really involved in films like Ting, but because she's a good manager and she happened to be roommates with Ting. Okay, because queer film festival, me and the founder, we, we were roommates at that time. By founder, Sybil means Ting. So we, we were roommates for a year、uh, before she got a relationship and decided to dump me. <laughs> so she needed a bit of help in terms of project management methodologies. And then one day they just came to me and saying that, "Hey, I heard from from her that、uh, you're interested in participating for Cinema Q." I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not? I'm very interested because I think I need something that kind of forces me to be more exposed." CSL got involved because, upon moving to Shanghai, he was just so passionate about getting involved with the queer community. He kind of joined up in 2017 when he wanted to write an article for the Cinema Q newsletter about the backlash to Moonlight winning the Oscar. Uh, 2017, when the Moonlight won the Oscar,、uh, it's very controversial in in political correctness. That's the whole reason they went, and I was so angry about that. <laughs> that I need to write something about it. In 2018, the founders left China to study in England, and all of the responsibility was given to these three. So before they headed over abroad to 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 study, I did one. Programming, and then when they went away, it just it it just got handed over to me and my partner. And the Cinema Q vibe and credo that the founders left with these three was this:、uh, the intro for Cinema Q is it's a underground queer organization、yeah. in Shanghai. So underground, the normal people or you like the government should know about that. Right. Yeah. But it's not like it, it's not a secret. Yeah, it's not a secret. We're not like intentionally like running from them. Yeah. yeah. It's just an event. Yeah, it's actually our、uh, initiative goal of Cinema Q is Matthew. What Matthew said, we want to fuck with people's mind. Okay, let's get to the actual event itself. I showed up on the last Thursday of the month. That's the night to all club. It's advertised as starting at eight thirty, but people really only start trickling in at I don't know eight forty-five. I talked to some of the early arrivals. Is this your first time coming to Cinema Q? Yes. First time. Why、yes. did you come? Uh, because I s- first I have time, second、uh, I saw it's Michael is hosting. Also, the topic is about disco because I'm a DJ. I play a lot of disco. And、uh, for me, Shanghai is the first time I live in a big city. So I, I am more of a nature person, but I think to go to different events every night is really part of the pleasure of living in such a city. How long have you been here? I've been about one year in Shanghai.、Hmm. Uh, I'm from China. I'm from the northwest of China. What, which part? What's the northwest of China? Yinchuan. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know it. <laughs> well, I always tell people it's a shithole. That's why I don't live there anymore. Where are you from? France,、oh. southwest of France. Yeah, very nice.、Uh, well, I'm not just enjoying myself, I guess. <laughs> okay, cool. What about you? Same, like. I'm not really expecting anything. Like I didn't even read like the description, so I'm just like here. I, like I want, just want to see,、okay. just want to have fun. 
Thanks, guys. All Club is this big concrete bar area with low purplish mood lighting. People sit along rows of couches where they can like lounge and chat. On this particular night, the bar area was basically empty, and all the people were crowded into the back room for the film screening. Just this describe is, this place. This is all. This yeah. is all club. It's one of the most popular club in Shanghai. Why do you? Why did you choose this club? Because it's suitable. It's got our vibe. It's good size. It's good equipment. Uh, their crowd somehow overlaps where without crowd. And at this point in the evening. Everyone was just kind of finding their seats and settling in. No one complains about the seating is bad. No one complains about you know like technical problems. Sometimes we have no one's. <laughs> Sometimes the seating is bad and yeah, there are yeah, technical yeah. problems. Yeah, and no one talks about you <laughs> no, know yeah. it's not a Friday night and and the the dance floor is not really full. No one complains about those things. Everyone just saying this is great, you know. And I I have a feeling that sometimes they they don't want it to be so full. They wanted to. It's a Thursday, and they know the Thursday they can go to this place, still have the fun, even maybe even more than Friday with less people and less sweat. The opening remarks are kind of ad lib. Xie Xiao is speaking in Chinese, and then Sybil translates in English. So without further ado, we're gonna start. Right away, so sit back, relax, and maybe a always seems to be able to put the crowd at ease. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that it's gonna be very fun, but in the same time, I'm very nervous. I don't know; it's just automatic. Even though I know, even though I knew that I'm gonna be okay on the stage, I'm gonna like give a very good intro. I'm very nervous. Although it's like ad lib, Xiao really seems to excite the crowd. He's funny, and his remarks are always sort of giving the audience tacit permission just to let themselves loose, let themselves feel comfortable. The intro is like kind of slapdash to kind of create this illusion that it's kind of put together at the last minute, but that's not the case at all. Each time they do cinema kill, they find a theme and rigorously scour the internet for films that will fit into that theme. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around, connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well, inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. But all of the teams get. Picked pretty quickly because we all have so much we want to say. <laughs> so all you have to do is basically prioritize them, and also to see what is more feasible and more available, and we just program it. And I think what is interesting about CinemaQ is that we are always trying to,、uh, let's say, with people's mind. I'm quoting the founder because there are so many things that you take for granted. For all of the surroundings and and everyday occasion you go through, it's probably very different for queer people, and that basically includes everything. So we're never short of topic. The film started, and the audience just sat really quietly, absorbing it all. Everyone was just so excited to see such a variety of people and ideas and just explicit sexuality. Here are some clips of the movies that were played. 
you know not to walk in my house with your shoes on. And when are you going to tell us more about your day tonight? This particular night's theme was disco. Why did you guys choose the topic of disco? I think it could be cool. I was born in nineties. I totally missed all the whole whole era, but everybody told me that it's great. And but although it has like issue like AIDS, like HIV, like people that queer are facing a lot in during that time. But also the partisans are also very great. They're losing. They're losing each other's. But they also like want to make make every meeting a celebration. Like to that's the true spirit of queer. Like you, whenever you are, like how whatever you're facing, like don't forget how to be happy. It's our energy. Like it's our benneng. Xiao says benneng here. Benneng just means sort of ability, and he means the ability to be joyful even when facing harsh realities. This is a theme it seems particularly appropriate for this moment when China's queer community is facing so much erasure. I guess it's also important to mention now that China is facing an AIDS crisis of its own. Information is still really vague about HIV, and healthcare is still really limited. So the organizers think a lot about their craft, and they try to find good and provocative movies to show. But we have to remember that these movies are not officially sanctioned, and that means that they could get them in trouble. It's just the case that Cinema Q could be shut down at any moment. All their events canceled. So, do you guys worry about getting shut down? So far, we, we've been good. I'm guessing. I'm guessing Shanghai is protecting us, or the because we're so small, they don't care, or that because we're doing it bilingual,、mm-hmm. so they probably feel that we're not trying to influence the mass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. That we are tamed. <laughs> I think it's right to think that because they're a fairly small outfit and a lot of their audience is foreign, may make them seem like less of a threat or something. But I'm not sure that that will save them if the government wants to crack down on them. Maybe someday, someone will have invite us for tea. You know. Sorry, what? Invite us for tea in China. That means you get censored. Like you have a conversation with a. With a with people from government, they we say like in Chinese, like you invite for tea. So they invite you for tea. They kind of say, "What are the you? You don't know. You've never has this ever happened to you? No, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Maybe soon." So this is kind of a scary idea and something that happens in China, that one day you just get invited for tea. Someone walks into your office or pulls you off the street, and basically has a conversation with you. Making implications that you should stop doing whatever activity it is that you're doing. You won't know who it is you're talking to when you get invited for tea. They won't be identified as a police officer or something like that. It's such a paranoid kind of fantasy, but this is like a real thing that happens. So, what do you guys kind of do to make sure that you are safe about that? Nothing. Nothing. But we think、uh, Simcoe is like relatively safer because we have. 
some foreign audience. That so the government may think that oh, it's for just for foreigners. But we we'll just assume that. Yeah. Do they know us? We don't know. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Do you do you worry about yourself in that in that regard? Like what worst can happen? Yeah, I don't know, but I don't think they can kill me. Yeah, and my parents already know I'm gay, and also I'm not doing anything wrong. It's not I'm selling any drug, no. I'm not hurting people. I I I I'm not like ask people to have a protest. No, I just show some movie and I got all the copyright. It's legal, and I'm not doing anything wrong. As much as they claim that they're not doing anything illegal, they show movies that would be thematically sensitive to the government. But not only that, they show explicitly sexual material, which definitely is a line that they're crossing. Right at the start of the event, they played this movie called "In the Dark," which is essentially a cartoon orgy of queer people, and it's wild and it's fun. But it definitely made me concerned for the event. Yeah, in the dark. That one, I insist to put it in because、no. we think as a little bit dangerous. The content is too sexual, but I really like that. It's so much fun. They asked me, like, is that okay for you to show that video in China? Like,、yeah. I said, it's okay. You don't have to worry about us. It's me. I have to worry about. <laughs> What you're hearing isn't the soundtrack to a queer film. You're hearing a Taiwanese singer from the '80s performing at the Spring Festival in 1987. Just for a bit of context, the biggest holiday in China is Chinese New Year. Or as it's also known, Spring Festival, and every year they have this big live broadcast on TV, where there's all these crazy performances, and it's really gaudy and lavish and flamboyant. And this is Fei Xiang, a Taiwanese singer and dancer who performed there. Seeing how he shakes his hips and kind of moves, it just seems like a flamboyant and gaudy performance. But when you see this video, after watching the preceding five queer films. This suggests something very different. The DJ I talked to earlier really liked this one and remembers this performance from when he was a kid. Official, of course, it's my generation. It was 1987, right? I, when I was six. Yeah, that's the. She, he was so famous. He was so popular. And... Now, Feixiang has never publicly come out, but he sets off the queer community's gaydar in mainland China. That only the queer queer people know that this guy has to be gay,、yeah. has to be like queer. Yeah. Like we can see that in China, we have a term called like gaydar.、Uh, we have that gaydar, so we can feel that. Yeah, but people in that time, we can say like quote unquote normal people, like they don't know what queer is. Mom knows him. My father knows him. Like everybody knows Feishan. He's just so famous. As we've discussed in our previous episode, there's a blanket ban on all explicitly LGBTQ content in the media in China. But that doesn't mean that the media, even the media of the past. Doesn't have queer themes and queer edges. If we look at Chinese media through a queer lens, we realize that the community has a history. 
It hasn't been totally erased. Sometimes queerness is just hiding in plain sight. There definitely always is a history, but it's very underground. And which is why uh, films and visual materials are so important, because they pretty much captured these changes and uh, these development and these underground history that that are not on the record, that are not on the book, are not exposed by media. So stuff like Liang Shanbo and Zhu Yingtai is something that you can never ban. And and like Xin Bai Niangzi Chuanqi, which is which is a classic classic. So everyone knows these stories. And they don't think it that way. It's not queer to them. But they to to us now when we see it with a fresh pair of eyes, they are queer. So as Ting says, there is a history here. And you can only really see it in visuals. That's why film as a medium is so important. It doesn't rely on a narrative you can just see for yourself. But that's the thing about queer history in China and just queer representation in China. You have to look for it. You have to find it on your own. And it is everywhere. Most taboo of all, during Mao's cultural revolution in the 60s and 70s, a time where homosexuality was expressly illegal, there were queer representations. Uh, in Mao's revolution, we were have a very good relationship with the Soviet, Soviet yeah. right? So they would have a, a lot of propaganda. And there are just two guys, one Chinese guy and a so- so yes, yes, yeah, I was talking about this propaganda poster in which two burly men are embracing with their faces touching. One's a Soviet and one's Chinese. It was supposed to be sort of a representation that China and the USSR had a great relationship, but it comes off as there's maybe more to that relationship than just diplomacy. I think the organizers of Cinema Q included this Fei Xiang clip, a clip of him performing at China's most important televised event back in the 80s, to show you that there's even queerness in the official narratives in China. To encourage the audience to take another look at their world and find the queer aspects of it. There's an intermission in the middle. The smokers went outside to kick a butt. The drinkers freshened their drinks. And I got an opportunity to just gauge people's reactions halfway through. So far, uh, well, he asked me the same question. I don't know. Okay. Uh, what about you? Um, it's my loneliness is killing me. It's the fourth one. Oh yes, yes, yes. The because I can fun. really relate with um, having difficulty in your sexuality when you are men wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, so Cherie was there, and she definitely had some opinions. But other than that, I like the things that are a bit more abstract and weird. What was your favorite one so far? The chicken skin one by far. Mine was just the, mine, mine was just the, uh, 
the the Chinese New Year one. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't. I didn't like the one of the the guy like dancing in the yeah, club. Yeah, I didn't like that one. I because like there was clearly like a politics in terms of who was valuable and who was special and who was desired and who was not. I didn't like that so much. I, I did. I did like the the sort of more femme guy with the guy who was married, that one. Yeah, that kind, I didn't love that either. Maybe because I dated a Scottish guy and like there's just so much <laughs> All right, that's, toxic sounds like, Scottish masculinity there. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you're bringing more, more, more context than I was uh, anticipating. <laughs> I'm gonna go ask some other people. There was also a bit of a dust up about whether Faishan was queer or not. He's the gay icon. He is. He is. He is. He is. That's why. That's why we picked him. But I was six. I. I, I didn't realize that. I'm well, of course, at that time you're not allowed to talk about it. But that's why we chose him. He's, he's a queer. He's a queer person. So, what are the messages of these films? Well, I mean, obviously, each has its own message. But there is a basic dichotomy that comes through. There are films that aim to sort of normalize the LGBTQ community. And then there are films that sort of celebrate the uniqueness of the queer community and push the boundaries. And I think both sort of serve important purposes. A normalizing one that we saw in this particular screening was sort of a dad confronting his son going to prom with another boy. And it was was sort of heartfelt and very sweet. And then sort of a strange, queer, boundary-pushing one was this sort of creepy film showing a raw chicken being palpated and spliced over with a woman being prodded and manipulated. One very normalizing and one very boundary pushing. So what's like the purpose of a film that's kind of normalizing? That they were showing that we are just human like anybody else. We, we go through the same shit. And I think that's, that's also kind of the thing that helped me also at the first place when I started to realize that queer people are just people. It doesn't really matter what a, peop- what a person's sexuality is. It's just people. Uh, I think that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, they are just people as well and we're all people. I think that's an important point that Sybil makes. For those who may be uncomfortable in their own skin, what these normalizing films do is show that what you're feeling is fine. And it also kind of has the added benefit of showing cis hetero audience members that queer people are just kind of normal. Movie is a art that uh, that magically gets you into another world. It puts you into another person's life and helps you to think of the questions and problems in the fresh eyes. Um, I mean, normalizing is, although we don't want to admit it, it's something that the LGBTQ community is still constantly doing. Uh, consciously or unconsciously, we're all, always doing it, I have to admit. Because we are just not, you know, perceived to some people as normal. One of the goals of CinemaQ is to normalize queer life, to humanize queer folks. But as the founder said, the principle here is they're trying to fuck with people's head. So obviously the stranger boundary pushing films are also integral to the programming. And when it comes to the wild ones, I think that's something that we love. Part of it would be sex. Obviously, the liberation often comes with sex as well. 
Uh, so that's that's a bit of the thing, you know, to trying to show people that it's it's okay for you to want to explore your sexuality and to explore different types of relationships. And the other wild ones are, I think, is more about the creative uh, expression of artists. All artists have their wildest ma- imaginations and their and and the most weird concepts. It just that happened to,、uh, it just that these artists happen to be queer. I think it's necessary, because without those things, we aren't cool. And being cool is very important. Being queer is very cool. Xiaoxiao kind of takes issue with a normalizing force. Generally, he likes the wild movies that are, like Ting said, showing that queer people are cool. Because for Xiaoxiao, queerness and queer movies are about celebrating difference. Do you like those normalizing type movies? What, like, why do you guys show those? Well, some audience like that, but they're just like,、um, oh, if you're gay, you have to find somebody like who loves you to start a family, like normal family, to adopt a kid, have a dog, to have a house. Everything about the middle class. So it, it's not queer.、Yeah. It's just homonormativity. If you really, really like that, like from the bottom of your heart,、uh, it's okay. But If you just think that it's a standard, I have to chase after that. I have have achieved that, then it's, I don't think that's good. It's like another pressure. For CSL, being queer is really defying the unnecessary trappings that hold the true individual back. And so he's not as interested in movies about like a gay couple going to prom. I mean, that particular movie was insanely cheesy, and prom fucking sucks. So. Those kind of fantasies definitely don't work for me either. But I get why the audience thought that that kind of movie was good. It's a fantasy about a world where everyone can feel comfortable, even in spaces that formally enforced heteronormativity. Even though CSL resents the normalizing films and the idea that queer people should have to strive for some semblance of normativity, he does admit that tactically. In China, creating normalcy around the queer identity can be an important tactic. Maybe for right now, the best way or the the safest way for the queer movement in China is to try to build up a concept of a queer family because, like you know, China values the family value. So、um, maybe if we told them that actually we wanted to build a family, they can accept that us. But it's very problematic. I think personally, I think it's very problematic. This cannot solve any problems, but. Maybe it's the safest way to like to show the queer content in the official media. Maybe it's the only way for now. So the parents and the older generation value the family value, and they they are so just so concerned. You have to like talk in their way, like to think in their way. So ha- we have to do it in their way. It seems you're you seem a little upset by this question.、Yeah. It doesn't help with to de decriminalized. So I'm not happy with that. If the whole queer community want to do it in that way, I'm not happy with that. You know, even though I'm not happy, I have to support them because it's the only way. It's for the visibility, so I have to support it, even though I don't like that way. The screening was coming to a close. Looking around, I saw the audience was a diverse bunch: foreign and Chinese, people from different parts of China, new faces and old faces, all in harmony, letting their guards down. Feeling safe and vulnerable, feeling challenged and embraced. I got to thinking about what a broader queer audience in China would look like. So, what's the audience like? 
What's like the like average age, let's say? Millennials, probably Generation Z. We have very, 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 very few uh, more mature audiences. Are they foreign? Are they Chinese? Probably half-half, actually. Yeah. yeah. And I think the Chinese ones will be, you know, it all starts with friends. And then just friends keep on bringing friends. I came here at night. Mm -hmm. And I saw like um, several films and they are all like really good. And it's like... The vibe, the intense, and then you can feel like it's in your heart. It's because it's talking about the story, like happening. Like it's it's not long time ago, but you feel like it's happening now. So this is yeah. Annabelle. She's one of the regulars, and she was so moved by Cinema Q actually that she ended up becoming a volunteer and started helping out. Now, yeah, it's like a disco vibe is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people are like dancing. I think that's the spirit of being a like a, a queer being in the community. So, uh, how many times have you been to Cinema Q? Maybe like six times. This is a German guy who I've seen at every Cinema Q that I've been to, and I've seen him at other queer events around Shanghai as well. And why do you keep coming back? Because it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. I think it's the best, uh, one of the best events in Shanghai. Really? Yes. Why do you say that? No, it's just an interesting mix of uh, uh, interesting mix of short films and um, surprising, entertaining. I want to return to a point I made earlier about how Shanghai is really the only place where a cinema queue can exist. Because in broader China, sure, something like this couldn't exist because of regulations, but it also couldn't exist because there wouldn't be an audience for it. Do you think if you showed queer films in like your hometown, like in a small city in China, do you think there'd be an audience? No, not at all. I don't imagine I, ha I will have an audience there because all of my audience will not be in their original hometown. They would be in Beijing and Shanghai and other major cities. Back in my hometown, the mindset is pretty like, like singular. You don't have all these kind of different values. And people are not used to the idea of people having different values than the traditional ones. Uh, so those who do have a sort of the alternative or uh, say more recent values, you feel lonely there. So everyone just leaves. Because I think what we're doing is just uh, it's just so little, you know, we're, we're only impacting those who are willing to open up and, and listen. And those who are not willing to open up are actually the ones who are op uh, opposing the, uh, the pressure. So that's kind of frustrating if you think it that way. So I think she's right that there wouldn't be an audience in smaller cities. This is because there is just more scrutiny. There is just more erasure. But to her point, there also just isn't an audience. People who want to live differently, who need to live differently, seek refuge in the bigger, more metropolitan cities. Without the supportive community that queer people have cultivated in Shanghai, Cinema Q wouldn't exist. But it also wouldn't exist if there was the same level of scrutiny in Shanghai as there is in Sybil's hometown or in the rest of China. Later in the lineup of films, Xie Xiao included a more depressing entry. It was a video showing still photographs of young people living in sort of depressing conditions here in China, living sort of normative lives. It showed unhappy children, children left out of the narrative. And it was like the antithesis of the disco theme. I very much wanted to show that film because during that time, in the nightclub in the Western, people have the disco thing. And in, the, in Taiwan, I very strongly saying, don't take the yeah. That people are celebration. That during that time, we as a Chinese 
uh, at the younger generation were child and were living a very normal life. We don't know none of this thing. And it's just like two different words. I wanted to show you that it's a very big gap between them, between them during that time. Okay. Because I want to make you to think why you gonna like, why you choose that one? Because it's right after a very happy, very disco thing. Meanwhile, China, the mainland, we don't have. I thought, yes, this was a movie about the past, but it was also about the present too. Because to Sybil's point, the vast majority of China is still not a safe space for queer people. It's a place of not just heteronormativity, but a place of homogeneity, where dissident voices have no platform. Queer folks around China are feeling alienated within their communities, communities that can't even imagine their existence. In this kind of uh, environment, especially these years, as everyone knows that we have a lot of lim limitations. It's quite hard for us to do these things. Um, to a certain sense that we know that this cannot be developed into something that's bigger. So for us, we are like a company that's stuck here and we don't see the, we don't see the future of development. I think that's quite toxic for an organization, actually. This is the limit of how much boundary pushing they can do when there's this already looming threat of being invited for tea, of being shut down. Cinema Q continues to exist because of this strange balance where scrutiny is relaxed enough to let them exist, but not relaxed enough to let them expand. Shanghai feels like one of China's few oases for alternative voices, for living differently. But even that's changing as strictures and erasure grows worse. Cinema Q is like a tiny oasis within that oasis, where people searching for expression, for safety, for truth can come for a short respite. A lot of politics is going on in Lebanon and basically in Beirut. I try not to think of that because, you know, it's just uh, too problematic and I don't have time for that, to be honest. I'm, I'm too busy building my life and my career to think about politics. Politics is bullshit to me. I don't like it. Let's talk about voguing, honey. Let's talk about it. So after every screening, there's like a dance party. People just kind of come for the movies and then leave afterwards. But some people who want to come to dance, they really like let loose, which is great. A lot of people just go out to the stairwell where they can smoke. And that's where I caught a lot of interesting reactions. Hey, you like it? Yeah, I loved it. What, did you, so what do you good. think? Yeah, yeah, really good. Especially, I love the part, I love the one, the LGBT alphabet. That's, oh, you like that That's one? awesome. I want to apologize, but nobody, they are so calm. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to come back? Yeah, 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 I'm going to smoke. No, I mean, will you come back next time? Oh, yeah, yeah, if I have time. I don't know when is the next time, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You think this is how it is? It's good. You Hours of decay. Which one? Hours of decay. I think the whole is all right, thank you guys. Will you come back? Yeah. Yeah, sure. The one, um, how, to how to be a chicken. chicken. How yeah, to be a chicken. how to be a chicken. Yeah, my favorite one. Why, why was that your favorite? Because the, first of all, the idea, very cre creative. And then I like- Why do you want to keep doing this?
ever since I started to to be friends with queer people, I started to understand what it feels like to have a community, and you really feel like you're part of the community that you are doing your bits. It's community. You give and take. You 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 speak. You, you hear. You get heard. That's one thing.、Uh, I think that's probably the deepest driver because I care about this. And especially if you if you look at the whole landscape, I don't think there are many people who are doing this. Uh, out there, and I think we need it. The more I do it, the more I feel like there are so many different people that are underrepresented.、Um, even for the content that we're doing now, so th- there are just so many uncovered topics that、uh, want to try to help them to be seen. You have this responsibility. You are committed. If you don't do it, who else will do it? Right? We have to keep this organization running. I'm ho- hoping that we're. Hold, holding on to it, and we're continuing continuing doing it for the next like two or three years, three or five years, because people would be so disappointed if we stop doing it. It's like a straw that they were holding on to that just fell into the river, you know. And that is something that we cannot bear. It's for the community, and we want to provide some kind of hope for them. The the, the erasure is very. It's 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 a harsh punch. Sorry, just for clarity, there, Ting said the erasure is a harsh punch. It's not something that you think it's harmless, because passed on several generations. You without the recording, without the exposure, without people slowly fade into a, a mode that's like okay, they're non-existent, and that's really dangerous. Then all of this effort that we made is like you know going to waste, normalizing ourselves. But I believe that in such a big country with such large population, impossible to erase us. You've been listening to Strangers in China. Strangers in China is produced by me, Clay. It was mastered and mixed by Kaiser Kuo. Our title track is called "Analytical Skeletons," and it was produced by Cezus. Other music on this episode was produced by Cezus, Fargo on the Block, Jack Major, JMC, Saved Bitch, Artist Unknown Two, La Gang, Lo-Fi Theory, and Uxra. Two. You can link to all of our music on our show page, subchina.com forward slash series forward slash strangers dash. In dash China, you can also find notes and research used in this episode there as well. I'd like to thank Cinema Q for letting me just kind of bumble around awkwardly and record stuff at their events for several months. And I'd like to thank all the folks that I spoke to, who will remain anonymous. Thanks to Nowness Shanghai for letting me use their recording studio. Shout out to Monty, and thank you for listening. Make sure you smash that subscribe button and、uh, you know leave us a review or comment. Next time on Strangers in China, you never want to go back to your hometown. Oh no, <laughs> no, I can't imagine going back to my hometown B- because my life quality will be totally different if I go back. Who I'm going to talk to? Who I'm going to have interesting, deep conversations with? For all the real strangers out there, this is Xie Xiao's coming out story. It's a little long, but I'm just gonna play the whole thing if you don't mind. Ah,、uh, there was a family meal, a dinner, like me, my mom, and my my dad, and my mom just broke a chopstick, like for no reason, and I was, oh my god, what are you doing? 
Like I, well, I thought the chopstick was a little bit bent. I wanted to make it straight, but instead I just broke it. So sad. And you, you know, in China, because straight people are straight. Like if you're not straight, you're gay. You mean you're bent. Okay, then that was it. And uh, a week later, my father wasn't home. Like he was at work, and just only me and my mom having dinner. And then my mom just started talk like, "Do you know like we trust you, and we also." Always consider you as a friend, not only parents and child, and also as a friend. You can tell tell me about your, your secret. Like you can tell me about everything. We don't judge. We understand. Like everywhere you are. I was like, okay, what do you want to say? Like, what kind of secret are you saying? Like, we knew you're gay. <laughs> like, okay, like, because I have imagined of this thing like so many times. Like, what if they're angry? What if they never understand all the other possibilities? But this one. So I was smiling, like you knew, like we all knew, like me, you, me, and my your father, like we knew that actually your father told me that I think our son is gay. First, my mom wouldn't accept that. He's like, oh, I think he's gonna get bullied if he's gay. And my my father said, like, if you can accept your son, you think. Uh, somebody else will bully your son, but who is the first one to say like, your son's gonna get bullied? It's you. You gotta get, accept your son. Like as a parent, we gotta under, understand. So uh, and my father checked on the internet, internet to find out that oh, it's not a, it's not a sick, it's not sickness, it's not illness. Like there's nothing wrong to be gay. So it's okay. So took two years for my mom to finally accept that. Then she talked, had that conversation with me.、Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was a journey of of her to understand. Holy shit! Yeah. So it was like your mom came out to you. <laughs> yeah, basically like that. Do you did you feel did you feel like you were you wanted to tell them? Yeah, I always wanted to tell them, and I was planning to tell them, and I was planning to tell them in that year actually.、Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that they actually know knew.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. As a gay in China, like coming out, it's just the first step. You know, first they just accept I'm gay, and my mom told told me that it's first.、Uh, there's two things you have to you have to obey. Like one, no drug. Two, no crying. Like I said, yeah. And I, she said, oh, there's a three. Like if you have a relationship with a man, I don't want to see that guy in this family. And I I, I was kind of like disappointment disappointed, but. It's a good start, so I think、oh, okay. And、uh, two years ago, like it's twenty seventeen, my mom said I I come through. I think I would I consider that as my second song. Like it's wonderful. Like you, I have two songs now. <laughs> like、uh, it's wonderful, and yeah, and she finally accept me again. Yeah. Like it's like coming up again. Like I that's when I realized that actually my it's like a progress for them. Like they constantly understand me. Yeah. So yeah, I was very touched and very moved. That I never know that they have they have to make such an effort to understand me and a step by step, all by themselves. So yeah, but they did it because they loved me. So I was so touched, but also very proud, very very proud.、Hey. So yeah, and my mom mom said that the the only reason that he. She thinks that it's okay to be gay because he said that you'll always be a good boy. If you're homosexual, there couldn't be something wrong with you. There must be something wrong with the society. He said to me like that. 
Your dad said that to you. My mom. Oh, your mom said that. Because 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 she said because I love you. There's nothing wrong with you. I know this. So if the the newspaper or the media say the homosexuality is wrong, it's not cool. This is their fault, not yours. She said to me like that. I was very impressive, and that was very very. T- I didn't cry. I bet I was so. I was laughing all the time. I, was, I like smile all the time. It's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, I'm very proud of my family, and I'm very happy. But also, I think, but my example is just very rare in in China. Very rare. Yeah, I, I was too lucky. Yeah. 